actually do that. <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. As often happens with my guests on the show, these are people from my life that have done things for me or to me <laughs> that have just made a big difference. And today's guest is somebody that I met 21 years ago who literally gave me my start. And you know, I, I, him and Dr. McDougall really are the two reasons if I'm successful and I'm successful because they are the two people that took a chance on me and gave me a chance. So he actually started a vegan culinary school 21 years ago in Santa Monica called Dick and Jane Cook Vegetarian. And it was the funnest place in the world. I have so many fond memories from that place. Chefs that you might not have heard of, but that inspired me like David Spain and it was just a, who, is, who created the menu at Follow Your Heart. And it was such a wonderful, magical place. It was every Saturday morning for about three hours and the classes were affordable and you got these huge meals. And I was just there as a student. I hadn't even yet gone to culinary school, but I was over, always a kind of a wise ass and with some cracking jokes. And he had the foresight to actually let me teach cooking classes with my husband, actually, Charles. And there was another wonderful gentleman there named Edward. And they we had these classes called uh, Comedy Cooking for Health and Good Looking. And really, that is where I got my start. So I'm so thankful to Ryan Flegel for giving me my chance. You're here to hear his story, as well as Karina Marks. They together now own a vegan retreat in the Caribbean. It sounds amazing. It's called the Featherleaf Inn. And we're going to find out what Ryan's been doing the last 21 years that landed him in the U.S. Virgin Islands. So please welcome Ryan and Karina. It's so great to see you again. Thank you. It's great to see you again. Yeah, we're glad I always knew you, you were always up to great things. And, you know, I, but before you even talk about the inn, I, what, I, what really impresses me about you is, is you were doing so much at such a young age to just promote health and veganism. Because weren't you like 20 years old when you founded that school? I don't remember, but it was a while ago. I mean, I, I, what I do remember is that was basically a natural stepping stone from college for us because in college, I was running the vegetarian club at Santa Monica College, which was the largest club on the entire campus at school. Um, and it was the largest vegetarian club of any campus of any college in the country. And as we were teaching more and more people about the merits of eating for their own health and the health of the planet, we realized that people needed to know how to do that. And so that's what landed us in the cooking school business um, and what, what prompted us to open Dick and Jane Cook Vegetarian back then. But you attract, at the time, this was 21 years ago, this was the year 2000, you attracted really all the top chefs at that time. I mean, David Spain, you had Akasha, who, and you had, uh, I mean, I, I can't really, now that I'm thinking of it under pressure, but everybody, you had every, pretty much every restaurant vegan owner, vegan restaurant owner there, you had Carrie Brown. I mean, you had the who's who of every vegan chef. It was pretty great. And, and when we've done this, and I, I mixed them up because you speak of Dick and Jane Cook Vegetarian, and you know we did sort of a uh, an encore presentation of that years later uh, called Yummy Cooking Classes in Pasadena. And, and between the two series, which were very similar, um, and we had multiple series of each one, but the, between those, we also had uh, uh, the Millennium Restaurant uh, uh, chef, we had the chef from Matthew Kinney, we had, um, we had a chef from Real Food Daily, we had cookbook authors. It was really, really, really wonderful. We had chefs that came from out of town um, and, and all the way across the country. And it was so wonderful to have them all come and participate in that. Um, uh, we, we, of course, had uh, uh, Miyoko from uh, Miyoko's Cheeses come and, and, and teach class too. And that was, that was wonderful. It was really great. That was before she... Um, I remember you had Dr. Doug Graham and he showed up in like a little speedo with no shirt. He was such a character. You had Giuliano <laughs> and, and you had those wonderful dinners. And I, I, it's, I'm, it's driving me crazy to try to remember. You had this wonderful chef who was a vegan pastry chef, who was a pastry chef and I think was called a restaurant in Beverly Hills on Maple. I cannot remember her name, but just really extraordinary chefs. Like, you know, I, I, I wish Denise Borchert was watching today. She was actually on the show. That's where we, be and we became friends. I mean, I made so many friends in that class. And it was like, it was like $25, which is nothing. And you got these, you know, these huge meals. And, uh, and Emily, you know, Emily, who's, uh, who's, of course, doing her vegan catering business out of Venice, California now. Um, she was one of the uh, students there alongside with you. So it's been wonderful to see people like her, people like you, who now have uh, really successful businesses and are often doing 
things independently, that's really, really great to see that having come out of what happened with some of the students there. And then, of course, yeah, there was just a lot to learn from all people. If I remember correctly, you got some kind of an award for vegan activism when you were attending Santa Monica College. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that, we did all sorts of things back then. And uh, sure, I did. Yes. <laughs> um, yes, I did. It was very nice of them. Uh, people are saying your volume's a little low, so maybe either raise it up or move a little closer to the computer if possible. Sure, no problem. We can, we can just scooch ourselves. Oh, yeah, that's much better. Thank you. Thanks for letting me know, guys. I was so excited talking to Ryan. I wasn't looking at the chat. So how the heck did a college student from Santa Monica, California, end up owning a retreat in Virgin Islands? It's your turn to tell your story, guys. Thanks. Well, that's a good time to introduce Karina Marks and tell you a little bit about her. So Karina and I met in Monterey, California, um, where I had moved from Los Angeles uh, uh, and she was busy working as a marine scientist there. Um, Karina was researching what the reef systems were doing uh, with rockfish and what happens when we protect reef systems with marine protected areas, what happens when we don't, um, and doing a lot of field work in her studies out of Moss Landing Marine Labs. And, uh, and she and I met there and fell in love. And I promptly said, hey, Karina, you want to go travel the world with me? Yeah, and I said, nah, I got a good thing going on here. So, um, but, but if you hang around, maybe, maybe we shall. She said, yeah, wait a year. Maybe, maybe I'll do it then. Because um, she had some career goals that she was working on that she really wanted to finish accomplishing. And so, uh, so I surprised her by saying without hesitation, okay. And so I waited around and she finished her, the career goals she was uh, uh, working on at that time. And then we decided to find, I'll sort of speed up the story a little bit, but find a place to open a vegan retreat center and, and kind of an eco uh, tourism site. Um, and we were looking all over the world on the internet. Certainly we went yeah. to Costa Rica. We probably were really mm -hmm. close to where Chef uh, Surya was, uh, is living right now because we were looking at a few places for sale there. We were looking in Southeast Asia. We were looking in the South Pacific. We were looking in South America. Um, and we ended up zeroing in here on, uh, on St. Croix in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Yeah, we were really close to going to Fiji, actually. Um, but we're, we're glad we're a little closer. Yeah. How's our volume? Um, pretty good. Ryan, a little bit better than you. Okay. It might, the microphone must be on this side of the computer. <laughs> How about, I, I have to get closer to him? <laughs> All right. Oops. We're good. So, so how, how, why, okay, so like we had the owners of uh, the, uh, the Stanford and on, you know, they're vegans yeah, and, and so they're great. So how is your place a vegan retreat? What does that mean? Only vegan food, only vegans are allowed. Talk a little bit about how that works. An, uh, an important side note or an interesting one is that I went to school with their daughter and they, my mom taught yoga around their pool at the Stanford Inn. So that's, that's, uh, those are my roots. That's my neck of the woods. I did not grow up vegan though. I grew up vegetarian. Um, I didn't know what vegan was really until 25, essentially. Um, where were we? Yeah, how, how, did, how, how is the Featherleaf in a vegan, like, like does it actually, is there a sign that says a vegan retreat? Like, or is, it, is everyone welcome? Everyone's welcome, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone was welcome at all those cooking classes. Everyone was welcome at the College Vegetarian Club, but we want to be inclusive. That's very, 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 very important to the mission and to the drive of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, everybody's welcome. Uh, we know we don't have a sign out in front that says this is a vegan uh, hotel, uh, but we, when, when we serve food, all of the serve, food we serve is plant-based and we're excited about that. Um, right now, we're still in the phases of, of construction. So uh, this property, we should give you a little background on this, AJ. Um, what we have here at the Featherleaf Inn is really something unique and extraordinary. It's not, it's not like your average place anywhere in the world. It's really something extra special. We have a property that is 260 years old. Um, this property was built before the Declaration of Independence was signed. Um, and... It, is, it sits on 10 acres right on the Caribbean coastline. Um, we sit in front of what USA Today calls the number one dive site in the entire Caribbean. We have five shipwrecks right in front of us um, that we can swim to from shore. We have uh, a natural reef and coral and fish and everything else. We 
can go out and see the sea turtles and so forth right right in front. Um, and and we're backed up by the west end of this uh, beautiful tropical island, which is is pretty lush and has uh, uh, what what is called a rainforest here on the island. It's it, it's a, it's an island style rainforest, which means lots and lots of greenery. Um, so when we bought this property, it had been a private estate for that. Owner. Yeah, for, for, for all of those uh, two and a half centuries before us. Um, and that means that there's a lot of work to do to transform this into an inn, to transform this into a retreat center. So we've been embarking on that and it's taken us uh, uh, over two years to get that uh, set up right now. But we have been renovating building by building and going through and, and making this so that it's just a beautiful place for people to visit. And while we've been doing that, we've also been planting trees. We've planted a, a, a whole fruit forest of tropical fruit trees, everything from cashew to soursop to uh, guava and avocado and several varieties of mango and- uh, Jackfruit, breadfruit. <laughs> jackfruit, breadfruit, yeah. Mm -hmm. Carambola, um, which is starfruit and, uh, and so much more custard apples, uh, guava berries, things like that. A lot of the fruits that people don't know very well, it's because they don't travel well. So it's really been neat to learn about what grows here and what we're going to be able to serve people. Because I think that in addition to plant-based tourism, there's just food tourism and yeah. interest in mm -hmm. what what's going on locally or things that are unique. So we're, we're excited to reach a really broad audience. So will you actually have a restaurant there or is it more like a bed and breakfast? So are there different options for people to eat the food? And it sounds like it'd be a great place for a wedding. It's a great wedding destination. Yeah, really, really beautiful for that. We've, we've hosted a wedding already and it was, it was quite wonderful. We did that just before COVID came on and had uh, when we could still do big gatherings easily and it was worked out so well. Um, we, we have, uh, in terms of food service, like I wouldn't think of us as opening a, an official restaurant. We'll be more of a special event kind of uh, a, a food place. We have a grand porch, covered porch that seats 40 people by itself just on the porch. And uh, we will serve, certainly there'll be special breakfasts and special dinners for guests and so forth. And then we'll do events that'll happen as well. So we haven't worked out exactly how much food service we'll do, and it's going to flex depending on whether we're doing a retreat or whether or not we're doing individual stays, but that's, uh, that's the kind of thing that's going to be happening here. Yeah, needless to say, we are building a pretty tremendous commercial kitchen right yeah. now. We're kind of like downplaying the food service side, but um, I like to remind us and tell people that we didn't get into this business for um, because we're passionate about bedrooms where we got into it because we're passionate about food and yeah. so it's it is like the main game of what we're doing education um and food and so i think as um as the business evolves and grows so will what exactly our food service looks like mm -hmm. um, and one thing we talked about is just doing uh, for guests, you can buy meals with your stay and then also having um, reservation only maybe three nights a week or something based on demand. Essentially, we live in a community of 50,000 people. So it's a small we live on a small town on a small island. And so um, it's really, really important to us to involve the community and also cater to the community. Um, the other side of that is it's a small community. So it's kind of based on demand. We'll just see what happens and flex with that. What's the vegan scene like in general in the, U in the U.S. Virgin Islands? It's awesome. It's a little rough. <laughs> it's more food, more food trucks than restaurants. You know, like if you're if you're from uh, the mainland or stateside, as we say, um, it might not uh, might not pass muster with all tourists. But um, we have tons of restaurants. Per, per capita, yeah, per capita. There's more vegan eateries in St. Croix than there is in Portland, Oregon. There's wow. more oh, yeah. vegan eateries per yeah. capita here than there is in Los Angeles. True. There's more vegan eateries here than there is in New York City. Mm -hmm. This is a food mecca that people haven't yet discovered. And what's neat about it is not only do we have the vegan eateries like uh, Roots and Culture Restaurant or Ital in Paradise or food trucks like Vegan Haven. But we also have the farms here. Um, uh, Caribbean islands aren't known for farming very much. 
but St. Croix is the breadbasket farm uh, island for the other Virgin Islands. And, and there's still farms here, including Ridge to Reef Farm, which is an organic certified farm, and Art Farm, which does these wonderful, wonderful specialty crops They're like heirlooms. dragon fruit mm -hmm. and these super sweet watermelons. And they make uh, this like really, really, really wonderful turmeric that they, they grow. Mm -hmm. um, so these are part of what I think is going to draw more and more people to St. Croix. Um, people know that they can come to this island and experience like scuba diving or snorkeling and do uh, tours of just beautiful beaches and a nice place to relax. But, uh, but the food tours and the history tours both are something that I think people are gonna really enjoy and appreciate here. Who mostly lives at the US Virgin Islands? Um, who lives here? It's a, it's a melting pot for sure. One reason is a lot of, a lot of people within the Caribbean um, from Trinidad, Aruba, um, Barbados, Barbados, mm -hmm. yeah, a lot of different um, countries. People came here for work because it was America, and there were a few more jobs. Um, so uh, there's a lot of people of Puerto Rican descent, not first generation Puerto Ricans. Of course, they're Americans too, but like long lineage in Puerto Rico who live here. Also from the Dominican Republic. So we've got a lot of Spanish speakers on the island. Um, the majority of the population is of African descent. Mm. Um, and, and then the like white population is, is a minority for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and especially on St. Croix, I'm not sure about St. John, but I think so also. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, it's really interesting. I think um, that's, that's one thing that I really enjoy is uh, experiencing what it's like to be a minority. Um, it's, uh, it's enriching, it's eye-opening, um, thought-provoking. Anyways, um, and, and so, yeah. Yeah, AJ, I think that to answer that question also, you, you need to understand a little bit of the history of the U.S. Virgin Islands. And, and the history of these islands are rooted very much in slavery and colonialism. So uh, what happened was there were seven different countries that claimed ownership to the Virgin Islands over time. Um, the, the Danes, the Danish uh, government was, was the most prominent before the United States. And they had this real economic boom that happened on the island. And that economic boom happened at the very expense and on the backs of enslaved people from Africa. If you talk about going back, say, 200 plus years ago, 97% of the population of this island was enslaved people from Africa. Um, and, and it was this colonial rule from, from, uh, from the Danish government that was, was controlling it. So uh, it, it's really interesting to see the history and story of slavery uh, told from the perspective of this island where there was a uh, non-violent uprising, so to speak, that happened that ended official slavery. And then there was a, uh, a, a riot and some violence that put an end to uh, 30 years later, um, the, the remnants of slavery. But this island, unlike the, the south, southern parts of the United States, didn't go through a period of Jim Crow laws. Um, and I was just reading an article today about uh, Black people in the Virgin Islands who've traveled to the States and really experienced a, a, a kind of racism that they didn't know growing up here. Um, it's not to say that there isn't racism or things that happen here, but but it is to say that it's, it's very different in, uh, stateside than, than what you see here. Here, um, there is a, a real respect for each other. We say good morning and good afternoon and good night to each other, which is uh, a greeting that isn't just spoken as a token uh, couple of words to get past sort of a hello to people, but it is, it is a real acknowledgement of I see you. You say that even if you're not going to engage in conversation with somebody. You say that if you walk into the post office. And it's, it's hello, I, I acknowledge that there's other people in this room. I acknowledge that they so, so say the phrase again. I want to learn it. No, it's, it's good morning. Wow. Yeah. It almost sounds like, good, it sounds like good morning a little. <laughs> it's just good morning. Oh, <laughs> yes. That's all it is. I yeah, good morning. That's really yeah. all you say? What if it's evening? Yeah, if you want to get If it's evening, do you still say good morning? No, usually we say good afternoon all through evening, and then we say good night when it's dark. 
Wow, yeah. that is so cool. Elizabeth says her grandparents moved there ages ago and she has such great memories. I wonder, Elizabeth, are they still living there? That is so cool. So, you know, we have watching live Aditi who says, do you need an architect yoga teacher who knows how to cook Indian food? Absolutely, come on down. And, and what would be really wonderful is bring your architectural and yoga skills and let's, let's set up a, a retreat for you. Come here and come with your students. Let's see if we can promote something that'll work for you. And that's what's really great about what we've set up right now is that we have a canvas that uh, artists and creators and thinkers and uh, medical doctors can come and use to promote what's happening and have a more intimate experience with students uh, learning one-on-one -on -one, uh, or in small groups uh, about what they've done. Uh, AJ, I can't wait to see you come here and do a retreat. That's what we really well, want. I was going to say, you know, maybe you could create like a Dick and Jane reunion series. I would love totally. it. We, like with, great. with all the old G's. So a couple people saying, are you actually on St. Croix? Yeah. We're on St. Croix. And for anybody who's watching right now, if you want to just be able to see our website as well, our or, website or is, is Feather Leaf Inn. So it's feather like the bird's feather, leaf like the leaf of a tree, and then in with two ends, featherleafin.com. And you can see some wonderful aerial pictures of our property and just understand a little bit about what we are and how to book a room and all that kind of things if you want to just come on your own. And then pretty soon we'll be, we've only got a few rooms that are available for booking right now because we're still finishing up construction in the, the main building of the property. But we'll pretty soon we'll be, be past that and we'll have the whole property available for booking and then we'll be able to do some pretty good sized retreats. It'll be wonderful. But, but with COVID, are there are, are people still I mean, because isn't isn't kind of the Caribbean kind of based on tourism and, and we've been having this pandemic. So what, how is that working right now? Yeah, COVID has been a, a real, real, real tough thing for everybody around the world, of course. And, and we're no different. Um, the, the Caribbean has... We're, we're, because the economy of the Virgin Islands is so tourism based, uh, it's really taken a blow the last, uh, last year as, as that tourism has disappeared in a lot of ways. We've had government mandated shutdowns for a small period of time. Our island is now open to travelers and we, we've had some limited tourism that's happened and uh, there's more people coming for the holiday season, uh, whether we like it or not. Um, and, uh, and people are required to get tested for COVID before they come to the Virgin Islands. Um, one wonderful thing about our property is all the rooms are direct entrance from the outside. It's not like you're sharing a lobby or sharing uh, hallways or sharing air conditioning or things like that with other people. So you can come and really escape and kind of isolate in paradise here uh, once you've run the gauntlet through the airport and so forth and, and dealt with all that. Once you get here, you're in a pretty safe place. Are you right on the water or right on the beach or how close are you? Um, I wish I could flip the camera because I'm staring at the water. We don't have a beachfront. We have more of a rocky shoreline, but we're just adjacent to some of the most beautiful beaches on the island. So yeah, we have a, a full panoramic ocean view that looks west where the sun sets and yeah it's gorgeous and right now you won't see anything um, about food on our website again I just want to reiterate that both because of COVID we've stopped commercial food operations and because we're renovating what will be the most amazing uh, kitchen for food service so um, check out our website but you won't you won't see anything that relates to plant-based food but we can point you in the right direction of places to go and aj karina mentions that we're renovating a kitchen for food service but i also want you to know we're renovating the kitchen very much of the mind that we're going to have small intimate cooking classes True. In there as well and yeah, that we'll nice. be able to do cooking class demos and videos from there so That's, that'll be amazing so kathy says she'd love to go but her husband isn't vegan and but it, you don't have to be vegan to go right on down, Kathy, bring your husband. We'd love to see you both. Nice. So we have a question about fruit from Claire. About She asked, um, like, what different kind of fruits can you get there that people in England don't have, that don't travel well? Much question, Claire. You uh, talk about them. I'll bring up a picture. Okay. So we, uh, I mean, anything, all the tropical fruits aren't going to grow in England, though you might be able to get some shipped in. Um, some of our favorite fruits that grow commonly on the island are soursop, also known as guanabana. Um, which is a large green fruit with white fleshy, uh, pulpy flesh in it and uh, little black seeds. Um, we like sugar apples uh, and sugar apples are just sweet and delicious. They're a smaller version of a guanabana. Um, 
and then Wait, we have show a sugar apple. Let's see if I can do. I mean, this if I can pull this off. We can also do a screen share if you like. Yeah, we could do that. Oh uh, yeah, no, it's, it's too complicated. <laughs> we have um, uh, a, a mango festival that happens every every year here in Saint Croix called Mango Melee, with a mango eating contest and all sorts of booths and information and stuff. And then we have an agricultural festival that happens here as well, where people share what they're growing. Uh, we've been there and bought lots of our fruit trees from there, whether it's uh, the um, uh, the guava berries, which are a neat little fruit, um, or we've bought mango trees. We've bought some of the custard apples there. We've bought some star fruit. We've bought breadfruit there. Um, uh, there's several different varieties of bananas and plantains, mm -hmm. and we haven't yet gotten into, but we, we expect to do a lot more ground crops and root vegetables. So turmeric, ginger, uh, wonderful tropical uh, foods that we can grow here that grow really well on the island. Cucumbers grow really well here. Uh, pumpkins and, and melons grow really well here. Uh, arugula grows really well here. So uh, doing all of those things, we're growing some lemongrass right now, which we love putting in some of our soups. Um, yeah, there's, there's some good, good foods that we can grow right here. What's the weather like year round there? It's from, it's, it ranges between 73 and 93 um, in the winter, which let's say December to April, it's 73 to 83, meh, 73 to 85, let's say. Um, and then in the summer, it's more like 80 to 93 in the day. Um, we, in theory, we have a rainy season, but I have yet um, to see like tremendous rain. Um, you know, with climate change, who knows what next year will be like, but um, we really, uh, you don't, you don't go more than a day without seeing the sun and those gray days happen three times a year. So it's sun all the time. Actually, we just completed our solar system for the property. So we're going completely 100% off the grid um, due to the abundance of solar power. Wow, that's amazing. It, got, it, sound, it just sounds beautiful. Mm -hmm. What do you guys do all day in general? What don't we do? Yeah, we're pretty busy, AJ. <laughs> yeah, we, we do a, a, a lot of construction work. So um, if, if the floors, if you're standing on wood floors here, it's because we refinished them. If you're looking at walls that are painted, it's because we, along with the crew of people that are working with us, have, have painted them. Um, but we're pretty hands-on with what's happening uh, in terms of renovating each of the rooms. Uh, these, the, the walls of this, these properties are about two feet thick and they're made out of stone and lime plaster, lime, the lime made from old seashells and fired in lime kilns uh, hundreds of years ago. There's, uh, there's even uh, chunks of coral that were used and uh, Danish brick and stone were used in the, as building products back then. Um, so trying to keep a property restored uh, or restoring a property that was built that way, nothing is cookie cutter, nothing is like off the shelf at the big box hardware store. Everything is like Unique. really giving it some time and attention. Um, and we've, we've gone through and, and fixed up all the old hardwood shutters and uh, louvered shutters that, that exist throughout the property. And uh, and yeah, there's just always something to be done. So that's a lot of our time. But then there's a whole lot of our time in terms of setting up the business and working on uh, everything from promotion to the structure of it and employees and everything else that you have to do as a business owner. So that's a, a bit of everything. Wow. You know, if, if I had known, I would have asked you to show the fruit in advance, like actually have some cut up because people are asking like what sugar apples, are they white in color? But here's a great question from Linda Middlesworth, who's the owner of the wonderful vegan dog food company, V-Dog. Can she bring her dogs? What's that like in the islands? What are the policies? Yeah, good question. I mean, dogs are allowed to fly to the, the Virgin Islands. We have discouraged uh, pets from being here for a couple of reasons. Um, one is that we just want to make sure that uh, we're not creating an allergy issue for, uh, for future guests. But the other part is that we're in a really natural environment here that's pretty neat. 
and and we find that uh, the introduction of domesticated animals changes how that natural environment acts not with every domesticated animal but certainly it does as like if you have a cat you lose your songbirds kind of thing some of them at least um and uh and one thing we have here is we have some frogs and toads and yeah. some of those are poisonous to uh to animals um so we want to make sure that uh dogs from the states aren't aren't showing up here and ingesting one of those and then having to be rushed off to the vet so um it's pretty neat to see what's what's around here and and what's here in the natural environment we really appreciate being able to see that so question how far to a beach without rocks are you <laughs> we get that one a lot we are just under a mile yeah along maybe a quarter the, mile along or half the mile. coast road yeah 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 there's we're, we're our cove and that's probably somebody who's been to our website and looked at the aerial imagery is asking that question is my guess mm -hmm. um but our our cove that's right next to the inn uh, has a beach that uh has some sand but mostly it's it's like what you consider river stone and and round pieces of coral that have washed up um, that are on the, the shoreline there. It's a great place to go swimming. It's a really wonderful place to go snorkeling. And we like to just walk down there with our scuba dive gear and walk right into the ocean and, and start, start swimming from there and head out to the wrecks or the reef from, from right there. But if you wanna just run your toes through the sand and, and lie on a blanket, um, then we like to get on our bicycle and head down a half a mile down the road where there are these small but beautiful beaches with hardly anybody on them and just hang out there and go for a swim. So cool, well, it sounds amazing. Let's see if there's any more questions about the place or the fruit. Is there a pool on the property? Jennifer wants to know. And are there any snakes on the island? Kathy wants to know. There are. There is a pool on the property. Um, yes, we have a, a swimming pool that we, that's part of the restoration reconstruction work that we did because we, we did a whole bunch of work on that swimming pool and just replaced all the equipment and everything. Um, and then uh, snakes, yeah, there's only a couple kinds of snakes in St. Croix. We don't have any poisonous snakes on the island at all. Um, there is a, a tiny little snake that's more like an earthworm that lives <laughs> underground. Um, called a blind snake that's uh, that's endemic to the island. And they're pretty neat. I've seen just a couple of them. I mean, they're only like three inches long. You wouldn't, um, you wouldn't know it was a snake. You wouldn't know it was a snake. You wouldn't even, chances of seeing it are really small. The only time we've seen them is if we're we're digging in the garden because they, they like bur bury, burrow down like uh, earthworms do almost. Um, and then there's some boa constrictors on the on the island, which, uh, which are just unfortunate uh, mistake of of people engaging in the pet trade and then releasing into the wild. Um, so mm -hmm. it's a, a sad story that, that one that we're seeing all over the world right now of people taking pets out of wild places, moving them to places they don't belong and then releasing them. And then there's a, a change to the environment that happens with that. But wow. again, no, no poisonous snakes at all on the island. Are there any like meetup groups, any vegan meetup groups, potlucks, those kind of things? Maybe not right now during the pandemic, but... Uh... Maybe you could start one. Yeah, we actually, I mean, one of the first dinners we hosted here was a dinner for farmers on the island. We, we really wanted to learn more about the farming that was happening on the island. We wanted to be uh, engaged with the farmers that are growing such wonderful food on the island. So we invited them all over and, and served them a, a beautiful vegan meal and, and talked to them about what we were doing in terms of uh, advancing the, the mission of healthy food for people um, and building more of a coalition. And farmers on the island have already taken some wonderful steps to do that as well as a VI food coalition that happens. VI is of course Virgin Islands. And uh, uh, so in terms of meetup groups, no, not so much. Um, one thing we haven't told you about AJ is we have a second property on the island. We, we came here and we jumped in big in St. Croix. We bought two hotels at once, the Featherleaf Inn. And then we also bought a property called the Sugar Apple Bed and Breakfast, which is sugar apple BNB, boy, Nancy boy .com. Um, And that property is a, a 12 room hotel in the town of Christiansted, about 45 minute drive from where we are at the Featherleaf Inn. And that is a vegan bed and breakfast um, that we've been really, really happy to, uh, to totally renovate and start up. It's an up and going business. We've got a manager in it right now. 
Um, and that property is for sale. If anybody wants to buy a bed and breakfast, you're welcome to. Um, we have it for sale at OpportunityVI, as in virginislands.com, OpportunityVI.com. Um, people want to see what we're doing with that, they're welcome to. And, but that open and going right now, before COVID started, we were doing a regular brunch and that became the kind of meet up. that meetup. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really was. There were, yeah. it, it, because, because it was only on Sunday mornings, even chefs from some of the other restaurants would come because Sunday morning wasn't a time that they were open and they'd come and just hang out. And, uh, and it was just such a neat community and people could uh, uh, have some waffles and delicious food and sit beside the pool and enjoy their, their brunch with us. And, uh, and it, was, it was great, take a little dip and hang out and talk to people for a while. Um, so we've, we've enjoyed that. There, there'll be a lot more that'll happen once COVID ends, but right now people have been a little bit more cautious about meeting up in public ways as they should be. Right. So uh, Kathy wants to know what kind of birds do you have there? And are there some birds that are only found there? I'm a fish person. <laughs> I say that because Karina, Karina always says I'm not much of a bird person, but I disagree because I watch her I love, enjoy so, the, the many birds that we have on the, on the island. I'll, wait, I'll take a first stab at it. Yeah. Then, then I get the easy ones. Sure. Um, I love pelicans and I know Californians see a lot of pelicans, but we love watching them sail yeah. along the shore. And one of my favorite seabirds is a frigate bird. The magnificent frigate bird. It's a large, large bird with kind of a swallow tail mm -hmm. and a little bit of red on its neck. And they are, um, they're just amazing, beautiful birds. And, but they soar around the entire world. Yeah. Um, we also have neat birds of prey. Um, we do get some, um, what's the small, we have kestrels, which yeah, are the, the smallest. Kestrel. So it's like mm -hmm. picture, a bird of prey and then shrink it down to like 10 inches. Yeah. We have kestrels and they're, um, they're local residents. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the, the American kestrels, there's, the uh, there's a wonderful lady on the, the island named Tony Lance who does bird rescue. She's been doing kind of a one person bird rescue operation for a long time now. There's also a beautiful artist, like she paints uh, uh, birds and really, really nice artwork that she's made. And one of our neighbors had an injured kestrel that they took to her and she nursed it back to health after, you know, I think it spent a couple of months at her place. Mm -hmm. And when it was ready to be released, she brought it here to the Featherly Inn and, and the release happened right, right here in front of the inn. Um, and it was wonderful to see her bring this kestrel and release it back into the wild. So, yeah, we see... Lots of things we see egrets. I remembered. I remembered the the local uh, the territorial bird, which is the banana quip. Is that right? I don't know actually. I don't banana know quip. It mm -hmm. it looks like it's like the size of a chickadee. What's a California version mm -hmm. of a chickadee? Oh, we have chickadees, but they're tiny. Um, with a yellow chest, mm -hmm. and so you see those birds like um, feeding on bougainvillea. They're adorable little birds, yeah. and I think they're the territorial bird. We have a lot of flowers here, AJ, and so we get hummingbirds that come here. Mm -hmm. um, we have, you see migratory birds, so sometimes we'll see birds that we don't expect to see. So we have kind of the small small birds and flower-attracted birds. We have these, uh, these migrating birds that just surprise us through the seasons. We have some birds of prey that, that are around as well, um, and then we have a lot of seabirds um, we've got these, like the cattle egrets, we've got the yellow crested night herons. Um, there's, there's some really neat wildlife. Okay. So we kind of like birds. We like birds. <laughs> I like that name though. Frigate. That's a, that's cute. Yeah. Can, can I tell you about some other animals on the Island? Actually, I'd like Karina too, because she's got much more involvement with them than I do. But, uh, but we've got some stories for you about the sea turtles on the Island. Too. And are there, there's a question if there's any scorpions. I've heard of a couple, but I've never seen any, not on this end of the island, um, but I've heard of some on the east end of the island where it's a little drier than, than out here. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't, we've, we've turned over a lot of rocks and yeah. we haven't seen any here. Yeah, it's not to say, this is a, a tropical environment here, and it's not to say that it, it, it doesn't have any of those stingy, bitey things in the world, but if you're going to go to a tropical environment and you're uh, wary of those, the U.S. Virgin Islands is a pretty good place to go. Um, yeah. Islands are... 
more isolated and don't have quite the abundance of insects that you find in, in larger rainforests. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty good place to go for that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So can so you yeah, we, um, one thing that's on the island is a, a federal wildlife reserve just for leatherback sea turtles. Now, just for anybody who doesn't know, all sea turtles are endangered. Um, and there are five different species in the Caribbean. Leatherbacks are really neat because um, they get to be the size of a VW bug. <laughs> They're big. <laughs> They're huge. They're just enormous. They're really big. And um, so there's an entire sandy area, southwest region of the island, um, that is set aside for them to nest on so that people don't put umbrellas in the sand or dig up their nests and, um, and their nests are protected there. Mm -hmm. um, and so you don't, it's rare that you'll see a leatherback sea turtle, but we have tons of green sea turtles and you'll see those. You can go walk on the pier at night. If you don't like getting in the water, you can walk on the pier in the evening and see the sea turtles, or you can uh, jump off the pier in the day and swim with them. Or even in front of our property, like when we just go for a dip at the end of the day, we go to this one spot and 75% of the time there's a sea turtle. So it's yeah. really neat. That's so cool. So Linda wants to know it went with the food there. Can you get oil free options at your inn? Sure. Absolutely. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. We're happy to accommodate healthy diets. That's what we're in. the. Well, that's what we're doing this for. That's great. Let's see. Uh, okay. Uh, Kathy says you're going to come here and do a retreat and do a whole SOS thing for everybody because that's yeah. really what we want to say. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Elizabeth says no available booking from June on. Is that correct? Oh, thanks for checking, Elizabeth. We're glad you're looking at the website. And if you're not seeing anything available yet, um, that's probably because we haven't released rooms for past that date. And we actually haven't put the rooms on in the main building, which we will do very shortly. So yes, there will be booking available for that. But as I said, we've kind of, we've, right now, all the future is blocked off on the main building because we're still doing construction, but that's just about to wrap up with our renovations there. And once that's done, that's going to be on. And so there'll be a bunch of rooms available. Great. Thank you. Rebecca says, is there a common island flower? And Sandy says, do, do guests have a kitchen that they can use at the end? Both great questions. Mm -hmm. um, common island flower, I mean, the hibiscus comes to mind right away. Our, our, our territory flower is the ginger thomas, which is funny because it's, it's an invasive species, but it's a beautiful yellow flowering tree and lots of little yellow flowers. But in addition to hibiscus and the ginger thomas, uh, we also have so many flowers. One of my favorites are the flamboyant trees. We also on this property have a couple of orchid trees, which are just gorgeous. I mean, you go out there and you see all these pinks and fuchsias right now. If I showed you this tree, it's it's a flower this big that is every every eight inches on the on the whole tree. I mean, they're just covered with them. Um, the flamboyant trees also uh, the flamboyant trees are just a pop of color amongst a green landscape. So you'll, you'll be looking across uh, a forest and it'll be different shades of green. And then you'll come across a flamboyant tree and the whole tree will be orange or the whole tree will be red, depending on the, the species, that particular variety of it. But they're really, really beautiful. And don't forget the plumerias. Yeah. Yeah, we have plumerias. That was one of the two questions. What was the other one, AJ? Um, kitchens. Kitchens, yeah, yes. Can guests use kitchens? Yeah, great question. So yes, we have a couple of accommodations here at the Featherleaf Inn where there are kitchen spaces included. One of them is the Ocean House, which is a private thousand square foot, one bedroom, one bath uh, house. It's got a regular bathroom inside with a shower. And then there's also an outside shower on the deck. And it's a beautiful deck that overlooks the sea. And that has a lovely kitchen. Our kitchens, by the way, have things like high-powered blenders in them that guests can use as well, and it's set up pretty well. Our Dragonfly House here at the Featherleaf Inn has a kitchen that is shared by guests, so it's a little bit more uh, budget-minded uh, so that you're not paying for your own kitchen but still have access to a kitchen to use yourself. Um, so we have kind of uh, a variety of accommodations that allow people to just be going out to eat for their meals or cooking here at the, at the inn. And then, of course, we look forward to serving people some wonderful meals as well. Nice. Okay. I saw a question. Where did it go? Oh, oh, Gina says, do you see hurricanes on the island? Yes. 
Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, this is definitely in the hurricane belt. And so Hurricane Irma and Hurricane Maria hit the U.S. Virgin Islands uh, really hard in 2017. Um, Karina and I, I actually came to St. Croix between Hurricanes Irma and Maria and then evacuated the island before Maria hit. This was just before we moved here. Um, and we witnessed uh, it sort of, we learned about the island seeing it at its worst. We learned about it seeing it when it was hit the hardest from these hurricanes. Um, we're, we're very, very cognizant of hurricanes and, and weather patterns that are happening here. And we, every time we're renovating the property, we're doing so by also doing upgrades structurally to the building as we go, um, adding straps and little things that can help in a big way when you put enough of them in. So um, yeah, we're, we're really cognizant of what the hurricane impact can be. Here. And we also, um, because we're property owners and residents, we're very hurricane conscious. So mm -hmm. we understand that we might have guests here when a hurricane, a named storm comes and we have a hurricane plan where we are uh, committed to living here for a long time. And the buildings that we purchased and live in have been here, been through Many dozens of hurricanes. Many dozens of hurricanes, <laughs> yeah, yeah and, um, and are still here. And that's part of the reasons why we chose them. Yeah. That, is, that was a factor. Um, I, think, uh, it's a, I think we're both from the West Coast, from California also. And so we weren't aware that there is another season that people consider, which is hurricane season. Hurricane yeah. season um, begins June 1st and ends November 30th. And that is um, a named season because it's the highest probability um, for hurricanes to come. So it, it just means like, okay, everybody prepare within this time because historically this is when they've come through. Some people on the island are pretty playful with seasons. Like they'll say, we have a high season, we have a summer uh, hurricane season, and we have a mango season. So, yeah. You know, it's Ma that's speaking the mango speaking of mango season, do you have a mango festival? Because uh, Laurel is saying, when is it? Mango Melee and June. is it in June or July? Ooh. I think it's in July, but I'm not sure. Uh, yes, we have a mango, a mango festival. festival that happens every year called Mango Melee. Um, and it's put on at the Botanical Gardens on the island and it's wonderful. Um, and as I mentioned, there's also an agricultural fair that happens each year here on the island. And the agricultural fair is, I think the biggest agricultural fair that happens on any of the Caribbean islands. Um, so it's, it's pretty neat that we've got that here in St. Croix. Uh, so two great reasons to come are those. There's also some food festivals. There's some other events and reasons to come to St. Croix. If you're a triathlete, there's some wonderful racing events. Mm -hmm. Um, we have uh, a buck to buck swim from the Buccaneer hotel to the, to Buck Island. Um, we have a, a super endurance running race, a 50 kilometer or 50 mile race that comes right in front of the Featherleaf Inn. Um, and we're looking forward to seeing that happen. We're gonna be out there cheering for people as they pass. Um, and I think that's happening in just another month or two mm -hmm. here. I think that's January or February. I think it's in January here. So yes, there's, there's lots of reasons to come. I highly recommend coming for the Mango Festival. It is usually the first week of July. That's great. Well, gosh, it just sounds amazing. Oh, there's a question from Melanie. Can you find sea glass on the beach? Good question. I should go get some pieces of Janie. Go for it. Um, as Karina grabs that, um, I'll tell you, yes, we find a couple of things on the beach. And, and we find this actually, you don't even have to go to the beach for these kinds of things. We find this all over our property. Picture yourself in the late 1700s, you didn't have a municipal dump or anything. You broke a, a plate, you threw it out the window. Um, I mean, really, that's what happened here. And on almost a daily basis, I'm finding bits of 200-year-old China on the property. Um, we've we've actually embedded some of the China. These these pieces are called chainy. It's a, a term that sort of comes from the words China, uh, as in fine China and money, because these bits of broken China were used as kind of play money by kids. Um, and we find it all over the island. We've embedded some of it in. Uh, one of the showers, we, we tile the whole line of, of Cheney into the shower. It looks really, really beautiful and brings a little bit of the island's history. We've also placed pieces of Ch uh, Cheney 
in uh, in some of the walls is a wall that's made up of uh, of sadly old coral reef uh, that was used hundreds of years ago. Um, there's uh, a wall. There's a walkway that we have where we've put some some chaining into it. Um, and then yes, to answer your specific question, also sea glass. We find sea glass at the beaches too. Here's some pieces that Karina's got. Here's some some of the um, sea glass pieces that we're finding. Uh, those are pretty simple, like you'd find anywhere else. And then Karina's got a few examples of some of the the chaining. So a lot of it's like blue and white um, pattern or. Whoop. There we go. Yeah. So that's, wow. that's art. Wow. That's beautiful. You could really make some cool crafts with that. Yeah, lots of people make jewelry out of it. It's really common to uh, wrap it in, in silver and, and make necklaces or things like that out of it. Um, mm -hmm. But we find chunks of that all over the property, especially when we're digging, um, because like I said, it's amazing how much is here. We found bits and pieces already. And there's a there are a lot of jewelry stores on the island. A lot of the local business owners mm -hmm. are jewelers, and they work with silver. And um, a lot of them will do inlays and stuff with the chaining. So there's a question: What did you guys do before this? Uh, well, Karina, as we mentioned, was a marine scientist. Answer for yourself. <laughs> and they love right. your tan. They love your tan, Karina. By the way, they say it's a beautiful tan. <laughs> Um, or you answer for me and I'll answer for you. How about that? I was just going to introduce what you were doing and then I was going to let you answer. Okay, okay. okay Green, okay. of course, is a marine scientist and she can tell you all about her work at the, in California's um, systems. And, uh, and if you probe her a little bit, she might even tell you about crossing some oceans. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I have a master's in marine science and, um, and I've mostly worked on the interface of science and policy, like working on projects to involve fishermen in science, working on projects to involve um, other users of the ocean, like scuba divers in doing environmental monitoring and kind of capturing um, people who care about the environment and want to get involved. And so I think that we'll be doing that here at the Featherleaf Inn. And the reason why I'm really excited about what we're doing is because of the vegan aspects of it, but also because of the environmental education side. And I'm looking forward to doing like Science Friday talks and um, leading people on snorkel tours and curating a coral nursery because it turns out you can farm coral just like you can farm coconuts, you can farm coral. Um, and yep, yeah, so I've uh, taken a few years off to grow our little businesses and then I'm hoping, hopefully going to get back to environmental education and marine science. Nice. So yeah, you kind of like a vegan Jacques Cousteau. There you go. <laughs> Female, even better. <laughs> Jacqueline Cousteau. There you go. <laughs> oui, oui. Yeah, and I think that what Karina is mentioning about uh, the marine science aspect is part of what we're really excited about doing here. We haven't talked with you yet about our interest in doing coral restoration. Um, what attracted us to this is that this is just a really, really neat environment to be in. It's wonderful to be at this intersection of the rainforest and the ocean on a tropical island. And it's really a privilege to be able to have this much access to wildlife and the beautiful scenery that exists here. And that's important to us, not just because of its beauty, but also because of what it means for the ecosystems and inner workings of how our planet thrives. Um, so as you, I'm sure are aware, our coral reefs have taken quite a beating in the last couple of decades with coral bleaching and what's happening with global warming, what's happening with acidification, with the development that we have and the overfishing of, uh, of our uh, oceans and how that all impacts the ecosystems of coral reefs. Coral reefs are really, really important because 25% of all fish depend on coral reefs, whether they live on coral reefs for their entire lives or they're, they're, they use it as kind of the nursery incubator for their, their young. Um, coral reefs are what contribute to 25% of our ocean's fish. And so it's really important that we have thriving coral reefs. Uh, unfortunately, that's a problem right now. Um, so we've teamed up with the Nature Conservancy locally and we look forward to doing more coral restoration work with them. We did a trial this past year uh, where we looked at collecting 
um, basically coral embryos and then raising them. We're going to see if we can do this again on a, on a larger scale and see what we can do to find the best way to find success to essentially help grow corals at a faster rate than they would naturally occur. Um, coral depends on broadcast uh, spawning. So uh, one day in the entire year is all that most coral species have to spawn and they all synchronize and spawn at the same time. And those sperms and eggs turn into little coral embryos that then have a floating planktonic state for a little while. And then they settle hopefully in a place where they can thrive on a nice rocky reef um, and grow into a healthy coral. Um, the, the predation that happens, the currents that take them, the, the trials and tribulations of what uh, pollutants and problems that people throw at them are, are huge. And so very, very few of those coral embryos actually grow up to be healthy adult corals. And what we're hoping to do along with other scientists uh, that are working on this so hard is to be able to raise corals uh, in at a higher success rate so that we can, we can plant new corals faster, um, get more of them along the coastlines and hope that we can grow corals again. While we're doing this, lots of other scientists are trying to figure out if there's more resilient corals or corals that stand up to the beating that humans have, have uh, given to the coral reefs over time. And of course, the most important thing is that all of us take steps to stop becoming the problem towards coral, which means uh, figuring out ways to uh, end our demand on global warming or our demand and our, our, uh, our, our contribution to global warming um, and really try and reverse climate change and uh, work on what's happening with the acidification of the oceans. Because these are the things that are really, really important to growing that healthy environment back again. So I mention all this because it's things that we're working on, but also things that we're excited about helping other people understand and learn about. Um, when people come to the Featherleaf Inn, we wanna be able to show them what's happening with the coral reefs right in front of our property. Um, sometimes we take guests out for night snorkeling and we have even biofluorescent lights that we can use to show the, the natural luminescence that corals uh, uh, create at night in a different color spectrum than you would normally see if you're not using one of these special black lights. Um, and we also like to see some of the other creatures that come out at night like lobsters and octopuses and things like that, which we can find right in front of here. Um, so it's a pretty neat place to be. Cool. So um, let's, she, there's a question from Angela. Do you offer scuba trips? We, um, we don't. And part of the reason we don't um, is not because we don't want to, because Ryan and I love scuba diving. We're scuba enthusiasts. Mm -hmm. But there are, um, there's an abundance of dive shops just down the road in town. And so we feel like that niche is met. And it's interesting. Um, so we're really good facilitators and we can, we can tell people the options that exist here or set them up with a dive shop ahead of time. Or if they want to get certified, this is a fantastic place to get scuba certified. Mm -hmm. um, but as Ryan said, some of the best dive sites on the island and uh, USA Today says in the Caribbean are just off the coast of Featherly Finn. So you can shore dive those and you can swim um, for 10 minutes on the surface and then drop down um, on those dive sites. Or uh, every day we see the dive shops take their boats from town and tie up here. So people have the option of boat diving um, uh, with the local shops in town. And then they also have the option of doing some of the best shore diving that I've ever really done. You can rent your own gear and you can go to um, the North Shore. You can go right off your accommodation at the Featherleaf Inn. And you can go to the pier in Frederickstead, which is one of the most popular dive sites um, because it's a enormous pier, but there aren't really many boats on it ever. And so the sponges and um, coral and uh, really bright and lively colors just um, have taken over the columns. And it's so, so beautiful. It's like a giant underwater gallery. Yeah, I'll just add to that. It we, while we don't ourselves offer scuba tours, we do have scuba tour groups that might come to Beverly Finn and do their own scuba tour. And mm -hmm. guests will stay here as a tour group. 
If you're interested in being part of one of those, we're happy to refer you to the groups that are, that are already set up to do that here on the island. And we do have guests that come here with their primary focus being to scuba dive. Definitely. We just aren't the ones ourselves leading the scuba diving adventures because mm -hmm. again, we're really happy that in the small little tiny town of Frederickstead, there's four scuba dive shops. Yeah. And, and one of the other really, really great places to dive is right out of Frederickstead, which is the Frederickstead Pier. We were there yesterday just snorkeling at the Frederickstead Pier and I saw a seahorse. Um, so it's pretty neat to be uh, uh, over there and be able to find things like seahorses and frogfish and these creatures that aren't seen too much in other places. They're kind of special treats underwater. Well, it, you know, it's just, it just sounds like a paradise and I hope this pandemic will be over soon so you can get on with your plans for making it the vegan destination for all retreats because so many people do retreats. I noticed Wanda Huberman was watching and she's done cruises and things. It would be a great place for groups to go. Yeah. Awesome. Contact us. Yeah. yeah, we we want to get the vegan cruise to come to St. Croix because mm -hmm. I know they stop at other islands and gosh, with the number of vegan restaurants and, and establishments we have here, we could do a whole vegan tour for them when they come mm -hmm. as a, a shore excursion. It'd be pretty neat. We have a dream of, and I think it would be pretty easy because we've met the other restaurant owners on the island, but uh, putting together an annual uh, food truck festival as well, or like vegan mm -hmm. food festival right here at Featherly Finn. We have a big grove with a tree that has a 90 foot canopy. So there's all this like natural shade there, um, which is also why it's good for parties and weddings as well. Um, but yeah, we want to get uh, the vegan food vendors together to do an annual festival that's just vegan food too down the road. Pavel says, what is the average age of the tourist that comes there? Hmm. <laughs> um, there sure is a wide range. Yeah. We see families and we see, I think. It's definitely. Yeah, I don't, I don't, it, it's not, it's not like some areas where you're saying, oh, most of the people that are coming here are in that age group. I, we see people. Uh, young All and ages. old and people coming with kids without kids yeah. so yeah right now staying here at the Feathery Finn there's a family staying with with young children um, and then sometimes we get people who are retired so mm -hmm. yeah it, it depends I think that one thing that um, is difficult on St. Croix is that it's not great for people in wheelchairs because it's a historic town there's two things there's the island effect which is like just uh like sidewalks aren't always there but also it's a historic area so a lot of the walkways and covered covered walkways and areas um they're working on like wheelchair access but that's something that i would say could be improved here great all right well yeah it was great it's just great hearing about this paradise that you guys are building and catching up with you again i always expect you to be up to great things ryan you got an early start thanks aj yeah yeah, it's, so one, nice it's to wonderful to be included and to be on your show this time. Absolutely. Nice to meet you, Karina. You're lovely and you have a lovely tan and lovely partner in Ryan. He's, a, he's just amazing. If I could adopt a son, it would be you, Ryan. You've done good. You're doing a lot. Oh, goodness gracious. What a compliment. Absolutely. Yeah, I almost didn't recognize you. You guys, if you don't know, Ryan, you always have really, really, it's the first time I've seen you literally with a haircut in my whole life. You look great. Uh, you know, Stranger things have happened, AJ. Yeah. What can I say? You're all grown up. No, AJ had had pretty short hair. Okay. Yeah, and and um, I mean, I think AJ's fans already know about how wonderfully um, enthusiastic and creative AJ is. But I'll tell you, AJ, I appreciate so much that when you were uh, teaching at Dick and Jane, you not only brought great culinary. Uh, skills forward. You not only taught us how to how to eat, but you also did that wonderful song for us, and it was great. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you know that's where I got my start. Comedy cooking, right? And I, I still kind of uh, continue it. William says, "What's the crime rate like?" It, it's 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 higher than you'd expect here, unfortunately. Um, yeah, crime is a problem in the in the Virgin Islands, um, and I mean here at the Featherleaf Inn, we feel kind of removed from that because we're in this. We're just in our own little mm -hmm. bit of paradise here, but uh, but we are actively engaged with uh, community members and and our local politicians to see what we can do to help 
change the cycle of crime and provide more opportunities to help break that, that cycle for, for people as well. Um, we really do need to, to make sure that we've got, that we take proactive steps to help uh, ensure that our, our youth especially are growing up with, with opportunities. And, and that plays a big part in whether or not there's uh, a lot of crime or a little crime. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we need to create more opportunities for people. Yeah, well, you, I'm sure you can do it. It's great catching up with you guys. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow when we have a double header. It's at a later time. At 1 p.m., we have Heather McDougall, who is not only the CEO of Dr. McDougall's wonderful programs, but the daughter of Dr. McDougall and has raised three vegan children. And at 3 p.m., we have our monthly time with Dr. Jen Hawk and Dr. Doug Lyle. So it'll be a really fun day. Thanks so much, guys. I, I can't wait to see you again. Thank you very much, Thanks, AJ. Everybody. Bye.